Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, your favorite place for learning about the world of alternative passive investments so that you can have more freedom, flexibility, and fun. Now, if you're ready to start practicing when you want to and not because you have to, go to attorneybydesign.com and download the Freedom Blueprint. That will also get you access to opportunities to partner with us on one of our next passive real estate investments. All right, folks, today we're going to take a brief moment out of our regularly scheduled program to lightheartedly bash our favorite love to hate professionals, your traditional financial advisor. And no, I'm not talking about your mother or your CPA or your father or your accountant. I'm talking about the guy from Charles Schwab that has to pound the pavement every day selling your selling you insurance and collecting commissions on your hard-earned capital, whether he makes you money or not, and pretends to act like he knows what's best for you and your finances, even though he never invests in his own products himself nor can he even sniff financial freedom um, himself. So always be weary of a cook who won't eat his own cooking. Now let's get this out of the way. Financial advisors aren't necessarily bad people. Um, I'm sure most of them are not. In fact, one of my best friends is a financial advisor at one of the biggest firms out there. He's a great guy. I love him to death. And he's, he's just a great guy. Um, and they, you know, they're just not necessarily out there to deceive you or take advantage of you. But here's the truth. Financial advisors are simply not incentivized to have your best interest as their primary concern. They are incentivized to get you into as many financial products as possible, whatever the flavor of the day is for, you know, the Wall Street mob bosses, whatever they happen to be pushing that particular day. They are incentivized to collect commissions, especially the hefty upfront fees that put you on the hamster wheel, send you down an endless well of hidden fees stacked upon hidden fees so that all the cronies can get paid from the hedge fund and mutual fund managers to the big financial advisor firm, head honchos and franchisees, and so on and so forth. And to keep you there by trapping you with steep exit fees and highly tax penalized retirement accounts. Think of it this way. How much would your financial advisor make if he told you to diversify into stable real estate? And no, I'm not talking about REITs or let's say energy syndicates, franchises, a small business. I'll tell you how much. It's absolutely none. Always follow the money incentives are simply not aligned in this instance. Now, there is a time and temperament for everything, right? Situations that come to mind are if you want to invest in an infinite banking policy. I know that Northwestern Mutual offers a very favorable whole life insurance policy, aka infinite banking policy. Um, another is for those of you, and I hope it's not any of you listening out there that are just too lazy or too scared to step out of the shadows of Wall Street and take the time to learn to invest intelligently in a diversified portfolio of alternative and if inclined, also traditional investments. But the key here is you. The key is getting educated enough to take control of your finances and create your own economy. When we're dealing with something this important, it doesn't make any sense for you not to invest the time to get educated and take control of 
your finances. When we're talking about something this important and as it, that really determines how many decades you'll have to stand by the office coffee pot and hear about partner Karen's new cat or dealing with this week's newest case of the Mondays, I think it's worth it for you to figure this game out. Do you not agree? Our passive income expert guest today, Chris Miles, knows the dark web of untruths these financial advisors spin better than anybody because he was a financial advisor himself. He's now dubbed the anti-financial advisor. Chris has been featured in US News, CNN Money, and Bankrate.com, and he is also the founder of Money Ripples and the host of the Chris Miles Money Show. After working as a traditional financial advisor and stock coach for several years, Chris now exposes the popular myths around money that have kept so many people from enjoying financial freedom and peace of mind. All right, guys, let's jump in. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Chris Miles, welcome to the show, brother. How are we doing today? Man, I'm fantastic, Seth. A L- little exhausted from a run, but I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were talking about that before the show, man. Training for marathons, right? Yeah, yeah. Just got done with one marathon last month. Got another one coming up next month. So uh, qualify for Boston. So I got to oh. train for that next year. Oh, that's impressive, man. Congrats. Congrats and good luck. Thanks. All right, man. Well, let's uh, jump right in. Tell us a little bit about your background. What's your story and, and take it back as far as you want. Well, I'm not going to go back to my birth because that's just kind of gross. But uh, <laughs> I, I will go back to, to where, you know, I was kind of made that, that divergent path right in my life where I'm in college. You know, I was planning on getting my bachelor's plan to go into business consulting. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'm going to do a, be a business consultant. Shouldn't I have real life business experience, not just college, right? So uh, with about one, not even a class, it was actually one project to go for my bachelor's. I dropped out and I thought I'd just take a one-year sabbatical and become an entrepreneur. Didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, but the opportunity that came up that was seemed intriguing was becoming a financial advisor. Uh, little did I know that all you had to do is if you can just pass a stupid test, way easier than a bar, right? You know, pass a stupid little test and you have a heartbeat, you basically get hired as a financial advisor. It's not like you can, you know, you're like anything genius. Um, but I like to be an entrepreneur. I like to be in that person that was in charge of my own destiny, you know, control my own time and my money and everything else. Right. Uh, so I actually stayed dropped out of school. I uh, didn't end up going back to finish my degree and, uh, did that path for four years. And then after four years, this is like about 2005 going to 2006, you know, I started to realize, you know what, none of my clients are really financially free, you know, and, and I'm one of those people. I like evidence, right? I like to know that things actually work, you know? And, uh, and I remember one of my friends brought it up to me. He was a real estate investor. And he said, Chris, well, how many of your clients are financially free? He's like, not just retired, but they don't worry about money. And I said, well, if you go off that definition, then none, you know, because the ones that watch CNN, you're going to freak out about life thinking the sky is falling if you watch CNN, right? So I'm like, well, no, they're watching CNN freaking out. If they're going to run out of money. He's like, all right, great. Good job, Chris. Way to go. Well, how about this? How many of you guys as financial advisors? are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning, but actually doing the investments you've been recommending, like buying these mutual funds. And I thought about it and I said, well, I know that some guys have been around since the late seventies, 
probably none. And he said, well, there's your problem. I'm like, well, give me the answer if you're so smart. He's like, I'm not going to give you the answer because you just got done arguing with me about stocks being better than real estate. And I'm like, all right, I'm open, you know, try me. And so he said, all right, if you're really serious, there's this AM talk radio show with these real estate investors here locally in Utah, listen to this show, and then go get the book, Who Took My Money by Robert Kiyosaki, which is a lesser known rich dad book. Uh, to sum it up, mutual funds suck, right? And, uh, and so he said, all right, I'll do that. And so I went and I got the book, you know, read it, uh, and I admitted, I'm like, okay, I can see your point. Give me some more. And so as time went on, I started to learn about like how real principles work, even principles of business, not just even in real estate and things like that. I was actually able to become financially independent myself uh, by that later that summer in 2006. So I quit being a financial advisor, vowed never to go back to it again because I felt like a deceiver and a fraud. So I vowed never to teach about money again. I would just be a mortgage broker because it was 2006, right? Everything was great with mortgages. Um, and then teach ballroom dancing on the side because, you know, little known fact, I was one of the nation's top amateur ballroom dancers. Um, <laughs> so anyways, um, so I started doing that path. And, and eventually people kept asking me questions like, well, Chris, how'd you do it, right? Obviously. And I was only 28, 29 years old at the time. And so um, I find just that after a while, just said, you know what? People keep asking, why don't I help them out? And so I partnered up some other guys that were also financially independent, started a company back in 2007, focusing towards real estate investors, particularly the ones that were flippers, not the ones that were actually creating good cash flow. Uh, so when the recession hit, they got trashed, right? And as a result, our business was in trouble. Um, so I went from millionaire to upside down millionaire in just a couple of years uh, during the recession. Um, was able to avoid bankruptcy, fortunately. Um, but even though my credit score would have been would have thanked me more if I did if I actually did file for bankruptcy. Um, but digging out of that million dollar debt hole was a was a pretty long process. Um, in fact, I just got an 11 year anniversary from you know Credit Karma. You know those kind of things. Yeah. It said, "Hey, congratulations! You've been with us for 11 years. You know, 11 years ago, 2010, your credit score was a 510." <laughs> it's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm over 800. All right. You know, um, so I did have to dig my way back out of that. And uh, with no money, no credit, just had to get, uh, you know, real gritty, essentially. And, and eventually was able to get out of the rat race once more by the end of 2016. And, and that's what I've been teaching people to do ever since is really, how do we get your money working for you? So you have to keep working so hard for your money. Awesome, man. Lots to unpack there. First thing I got to ask, though, you know, it sounded like pretty early in your life, you figured out that you wanted to be financially free. I think a mm -hmm. lot of people don't even have that realization. They're just like, you know, nine to five, keep moving up yeah. the corporate ladder, um, mm -hmm. retire when you're 65, that sort of thing. What gave you kind of that vision that you were like, you know what, this pathway is not going to make me financially free. What wanted, what made you want to be financially free? You know, it was a few things. I mean, my, my father was the type of guy that was more raised in the depression, right? Uh, he was always about, you work that same job for 40 years, you get that pension, all that kind of stuff that doesn't exist for our generation anymore. Uh, and the truth is he got laid off himself. You know, I remember during the late eighties, he got laid off from the job. He thought he was gonna work forever and he'd have to start over again, or they would do things to undercut him. And so he was always talking about how, even though he was a good saver, he always talked about how he'd work until he dies, Right. My mom is opposite. She was an artist. She was, a, she was trained by the same master painter that trained Bob Ross. If you know the guy that paints happy little trees, you know, with oh, the yeah. Afro, <laughs> like she was trained by the same painter as him. And, uh, and she was doing that, but she was always a starving artist. Right. So for her, it's like, she was still paycheck to paycheck. And so I didn't want that life. And I started to look at some of the college professors and the ones that seemed to be the most happy and free were the ones that are saying, Hey, I was an in independent consultant. Like I own my own business. Yeah. I'm teaching here, but I don't need the money from this. 
And I was like, that's what I want. Like, I want that kind of freedom. I don't want the nine to five. I don't want to be someone who essentially worked for the, for the man, so to speak, right. Where, you know, they're going to cap me at what I, what they think I can earn versus what I know I can't earn. Yeah, no, that makes sense, man. It took me a lot longer. I mean, I grew up in a, a blue collar background. Uh, my dad's a retired coal miner. My mom's a retired school teacher. And it was always yeah. just like, you know, put your head down and, and work hard. And that's just the mindset mm -hmm. I had. I didn't, I didn't have that realization like you did till way later in life. Um, so that's awesome that you, you figured it out soon. Um, let's go back a little bit to, you know, you being a financial advisor. Um, first of all, before we get into that specifics, into those mm -hmm. specifics, what makes financial advisors suck? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put a disclaimer. Financial advisors, for the most part, have great hearts. You know, like they, they intend well, right? And I, I was the same way. Like I, heck, I was willing to cut my commissions to give people the best deal possible, all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing is that financial advisors are trained by financial institutions, right? You're not trained to work for the client. You're trained to work for the financial institution, no matter how you say it, no matter what, you know, what licenses will say that, you know, from compliance issues saying, yes, you're doing this for, you know, for the benefit of the client and matching up to their goals and all that stuff. The truth is you're really working for a financial institution that's essentially offering you Mexican food, right? Um, I call it financial Mexican food because you think about Mexican food, like, and I love Mexican food, just so you know. Um, but I mean, they've got tacos, burritos, tostadas, enchiladas, you know, I mean, everything, right? But it all has the same ingredients. It's just packaged differently, but it's still rice, beans, lettuce, tomatoes, cheese, meat, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Well, that's basically what financial advising is. It's really just mutual funds, insurance, and annuities, which is part of insurance. So, I mean, it's really just that. And, and then they put nice fancy little labels and names on it, but it's really the same old crap that you're selling. And, and I realized about three years in that I was like, wait, am I just a salesman in a suit? Am I just selling this stuff? And so, and, and here's what's happening is that you look at the stock market, right? Now, the last 13 you know, years in a row, we've now had a 13th up year in the row in the market. Um, I hate to use this word because it's the worst word, word in the world from 2020, but it's unprecedented, literally. Like the market has not gone up 13 years in a row like it has, right? Like 2009 all the way now to 2021. It has never done that. The, the best has done like six years in a row. And that wasn't even during the depression, right? Or after the depression. So we have like this 14 and percent actual yield of the market, but the market really only averages about seven to 8%. That's the, where it's in balance, right? So the problem is we're way overvalued right now. Things are way sky high and there's an imminent, just an imminent crash that's coming, right? It, it's, it's, it has to happen to come back into balance. Well, the problem is that people think they're getting this 10, 12% plus rate of return, but in truth, the actual return, not the average, because average and actual numbers are not the same, the actual return is more like seven or 8%. So you're taking all these high risks, but you're getting these lackluster, mediocre, crappy returns. And then you're only supposed to live on, like there's the people that say that to be, you know, the, the whole FIRE movement, right? The financially independent retire early movement says you can live on 4%. That's bull crap. Because uh, I remember even as a financial advisor where we were over-promising everything, right? We even thought 4% was too much because people are living longer, especially if you try to retire younger, like in your 30s and 40s, like all these people are trying to do, 4% is too much. You'll run out of money, you know, especially because the market doesn't support that. So most likely you're probably looking more like two to 3%. So imagine you just happen to save up over, you know, say a couple million dollars in the, in the stock market, right? $2 million you save up, which was my goal, by the way. Um, you save up $2 million to live on 40 or 60,000 a year before taxes come out. I mean, that sucks. You're like a broke 
poverty stricken millionaire, right? Why would I want to be a multimillionaire that's living at the poverty line? So, but it's different. Like if you go the passive income route, it's way different. It's a whole different world. And, and that's, and that's what kind of woke me up in 2006 was, wait a minute, I've been teaching this all wrong. Financial advising is stupid. Like they tell you to stay in it for the long haul. Well, how long is the long haul when the market goes down? You get, my dad had to wait for another 15 years to retire because of Y2K. And then right after that, the great recession, right? You know, you've have high risk creates high returns. When did a 90% chance of losing risk, right? Chance of loss. When did a 90% chance of losing equal a 90% chance of winning? Like the math doesn't quite add up to hundred percent there, right? Like if that were the case, I should just go buy all the, all the Powerball lottery tickets I can possibly get, cash out my 401ks, you know, cash out everything I have, sell them off my home, buy all those Powerball lottery tickets because high risk creates high returns. Like that stuff is just stupid. You can't do that in business and you can't do that with your money, but that's what the institutions tell you to do so that you stay trapped and basically live a life of mediocrity. You live, you know, if you're like every other American, why would we want to follow that path? Yeah. Yeah. And really it, it's high risk and, and low return. Like people are yeah. thinking, like you said, they're getting these crazy returns, 12, 15. I mean, crazy percentages right now, but that's only because the market is just being exceptionally graceful to us right now. And it's only a matter yes. of time before it goes from a hundred to zero. Yeah. Seven or 8% percent, percent, that's like a mediocre lackluster return for too, way too much high risk. Like right. I can make way more money than that and take lower risk doing things with real estate. Exactly. Yeah. On a risk adjusted basis, it's not even a comparison really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And going back to, you know, with, with financial advisors, the alignment just isn't there. It, I have really mm -hmm. good friends that are financial advisors. I just don't buy what they're selling, right? Like their yeah. alignment and their incentives just aren't there for them to make money for you. They're just there to manage your money and get it in and keep it there as long as possible. Yeah. And, and you, and again, like, like the question that was asked by my friend, which was a really hard question to admit to, but it was a true question, which was even the guys that made multiple six figures, maybe even seven figures in the office I was working in, they still weren't financially free, you know, and some of them were living kind of cheap, but they, they still couldn't live off those mutual funds because they had to keep saving to live off that little two or 3% a year, right? It's just too little, especially with what's going on in inflation, you're chasing after inflation, you're like a Dalmatian chasing after a fire truck, right? It's just... Yeah. It's ridiculous. You know, so if it had really worked, wouldn't there be more financially free financial advisors, not off the trails and renewals, the commissions that they earn, but actually off the investments. And that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great observation. So tell me about how you got out of the rat race the second time around. Yeah. So uh, definitely with my thirties, I was trying to be a little bit wiser than I was in my late twenties. Right. You know, cause late twenties, I was overly ambitious. You know, I thought I had the Midas touch everything I would touch turned to gold. Uh, and then all of a sudden it turned to coal instead of gold, right? <laughs> but uh, eventually what I started to do is one, I had to start with my business, right? Because I was starting with no money, no credit. I had to generate income. You have to create the economic engine. Your business should be the number one investment, especially those of you guys that are attorneys or whatever kind of practice you're in, you know, that's, that's your economic engine. That's the thing you got to build up. And so first I built that up to try to get my cash flow and, and everything under control, um, start to build up that savings. Um, I also built residual streams of income within my business. You know, I, I kind of took my eye off that prize a little bit, but uh, I started to realize, wait a minute, I can create residual streams of income here. You know, can I, are there referral relationships that I can create with, with people that can work really well? Things that can deliver value for even my clients or people that I know that I don't want to deliver, but I can be that connector, right? And so there's things with affiliate relationships. There was, uh, you know, things with just doing like, you know, selling product, you know, online intellectual capital, right? Can you sell that kind of stuff? 
you know, uh, I started doing like sponsorships with my podcast. You know, I had a podcast, didn't even think about trying to make money with that. Um, it even started hitting me until I started getting these little $20 checks coming in from ads. I was like, wait, I'm getting paid on ads. That's kind of cool. And, you know, that's just from the normal, you know, sp spammy ads that are on the, on the different platforms. Right. And, and so all that, and then also then save out my money, then start to buy real estate, you know, start to get into different funds and things like that, that can generate predictable cash flow, you know, each and every, each and every month or quarter. That's what I was aiming for. And that's, and that's basically how I did it. I was, I was just hyper-focused, especially after going through a divorce in 2015, that wasn't fun. So 2016 was all about, all right, I got to get myself out of the rat race. How do we do it? Let's get this cash flow in control and get the passive income up. And, uh, and that's what happened. Cool. What kind of real estate did you go into at that time? I was just doing turnkey. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not a very good active real estate investor. That's what I found out in the last recession, but I, I, I suck at that. So um, I, I got to the point where I said, all right, I'd rather not be the property manager. Let's turn it over to somebody else. So I started doing turnkey real estate investing, uh, trying to find at least a minimum cash on cash return of 12% a year, right? Uh, that was always like my benchmark going for a minimum of 12% cash on cash. Um, starting with that, uh, started doing some syndications like multifamily and things of that nature as well. Uh, passive? Passive. Yeah, totally oh, passive. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. I stay away from the active stuff. I just stay more passive and that's what I teach. I don't teach anything I don't do. So yeah. that's why I don't teach people how to become active investors because I'm not an active investor either. I'm very, very passive. Just like a lot of my clients who are like, Hey, I'm a business owner or, you know, I'm a high paid W2 employee. I'm, I'm too busy. You know, like yeah. just give me some passive income here. Right. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. Like, you, you know, your limitations, you know what you're good at and what you're not. And then you invest to maximize your, your strengths. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So keeping in mind that, that most of our folks in the audience are, are highly paid, successful W2 professionals, lawyers, doctors, people like that, you know, what would you say to them as, as far as being the best strategy on how they can start creating that financial freedom? Because most of them are tied to that job. They only have one stream of active income. How do they get started um, creating financial freedom? Yeah. I mean, one is if you got a 401k, stop it. I mean, <laughs> stop using those crappy 401ks. Even if you get a match, I actually did a podcast on it recently where I showed that the match only adds on a compound interest basis to maybe 3% if you're lucky, right? In fact, the longer you have a 401k, the worse the match becomes for you. So these people are trying to like max, you know, stuff in their, their 401ks of max contributions, wanting to lock it up away from you. So you can't do anything with it. Is ridiculous, right? And if you put into self-directed IRAs, still there's a lot of limitations on that too, what you can invest in and how you can use it. And so I tell people, it's like, get your money out of prison, right? Get it out of those 401ks and IRAs, you know, get it out of savings. You know, I had one attorney I'm working with right now that he had 900,000 just sitting in savings. Now, luckily he didn't do any 401ks, right? But he had money sitting in savings. You know, I've had other people that have money locked up in equity, you know, in, in their house, right? I mean, especially right now with the market's gone crazy, even where you are in California. I mean, I remember end of 2019, you know, we had the, the biggest market analyst come talk to us at a mastermind group we're at. He was saying, all we have to do is raise interest rates on the mortgage to 5% and California's tanking by 10% this year. And then all of a sudden COVID happened, things went the opposite direction, rates tanked, and now California's skyrocketing again, right? Um, who would have thought? I mean, this is the perfect time to lock, lock those gains, you know? So, so getting that money out of prison, you know, I got that guy that has 900,000 sitting in savings, that attorney. I mean, it's like, great. You're in your, your, your thirties, dude, we can, even if we got a 10% return on 900,000, that's 90,000 a year. 
Right. You know, and, and his goal is about a $15,000 a month, right. That he wants to come in. It's like, cool. We can get you over halfway there in one year, you know, and then just keep reinvesting that, that proceeds, that 90,000, then you reinvest, they call it like an income avalanche, right? Like you reinvest that 90,000 Now maybe you're making another, you know, 750 bucks a month on top of the, you know, 7,500. So now you're over 8,000 a month, right? Now you're over hundred grand a year and you just keep building that until you get out of the rat race. And I think that's the thing is it, it just takes tension and focus. And it really just takes a different way of thinking, getting out of that traditional mindset, which I know you're teaching too, which is get away from the mainstream, the stuff that those stupid financial advisors, even if it's your best friend that's telling you what to do, the truth is the crap doesn't work. I've proven it by the numbers. It never works ever. And so, you know, you can't count on that stuff. You got to do something different to, if you want to be extraordinary, you got to do something that's extraordinary. Right. Right. And you touched on it a little bit, but let's go back to, you know, people are, are always like, yeah, I, I do want to get started. I want to invest, but yeah. I, I need to save some more and I'll do it later. I'm just not ready yet. And they, maybe uh -huh. they have $900,000 in the bank. Like they have money that they could invest, but they just don't, maybe they don't feel safe enough to do it, or they're just kind of putting it off and they don't take the jump. You know, mm -hmm. what are some other ways that they can free up that cash um, to invest now? Yeah, well, it sounds like what you're describing is more of a mental trip than it yeah. is a strategic thing, right? Because yeah. um, I mean, there are lots of ways to free up cash, especially if you have your own business or if you're even an independent contractor. There's lots of tax strategies you can use to free up cash flow that people aren't taking advantage of, um, even to the point of you know using your home office, paying for that, not as a lease, but doing like the Augusta rule, you know, where you basically pay yourself for a one day's use of your office, not to exceed 14 days a year, and you can take tax-free income, right? There's a little tax strategies like that. And there could be, I mean, if you've got like certain debts that are, they're burying you, uh, I just had a client where we looked at their stuff and it's like, Hey, we can get a home equity line of credit, pay off these specific loans, not these other ones, right. But these specific ones, and it doesn't matter about the interest rate. It's about the cash flow, right? We were able to free up 40, over $4,000 a month, just doing that, you know? So lots of little things there you can do, but like what you mentioned there, like that perspective saying, well, I'm not ready. I've got cash sit on the side. That's usually because they're scared because they, they don't have the education yet. They don't have the understanding or the faith built into doing what's different. Now, granted, millions of us have already done this and are doing it, and we've already proven it works. But it's different when you have hundreds of millions of people doing the same old crap of stuffing in money in mutual funds. So when people tell me sometimes they'll say, well, Chris, I'm conservative. I'm a conservative saver. I'm like, no, you're not. You're a comfortable saver. Because I look at conservative being less risky, right? But when you're stuffing your money in mutual funds, I think you're one of the biggest gamblers out there. Oh, and you got Bitcoin too? Oh, great. You know, now you're even more speculative. Like you have no cash flow coming in. You're just trying to make money and you don't, and you're just hoping that you're throwing spaghetti against the wall, hoping that something works. Like that's not conservative. That's a gambler. You know, you're a gambler. You're a comfortable saver. A conservative investor says, how can I lower my risks to get the maximum return possible? right? That, that you can ensure that you get wealth. You have absolute certainty and it takes, and it takes some time, you know, like, like, for example, I had, I had a client that I interviewed on my podcast and they said, you know, I was scared to death. They're like, what did I have to do? I had to buy that first property. You know, even if it was a turnkey where it's basically like getting a, a real estate property on training wheels, right? It's like getting that turnkey property is nice and easy. You know, once they started to see the checks come in, they're like, I can do more, you know, now they're almost up to their 10 limit already, you know, and now we're like talking about ways to sell off properties, 1031 into bigger ones like duplexes or fourplexes and things like that in just a year and a half, you know, but it had, had to take that first step, you know? So 
you know, if you're, if you're not doing it yourself, then maybe you need somebody to help guide you along just to kind of say, Hey, it's going to be okay. Been there, done that, still doing it today. We get you, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, people are just scared of what they don't understand. And that, yeah. that's why you've got to get educated so you can start getting rid of some of that fear and just make the jump. Yep. Once you understand like what Seth and I understand here, you know, it's easy because uh, you start to realize, oh my gosh, that's a no brainer. In fact, doing everything that everybody else is doing is insanity. Like why would anybody want to do that stuff? Why would anybody want to put their money in those kind of mutual funds or those retirement plans when I could retire much earlier, much faster and safer uh, than doing that traditional route that I'm just gambling with my money. Yeah. And I think people don't even realize how close they are with what they already have, mm -hmm. whatever they already have saved or whether they're able to free up some, some free cash to invest. Um, they don't realize how close they are to, you know, maybe not completely retiring or completely retiring, at least scaling back and going yeah. part-time. And a lot of times they find that, um, you know, when you don't have that pressure to perform and like you're really dependent on that one stream of income, they actually mm -hmm. like their job a little bit better. I've, I've found that from quite a few folks. It's true. Yeah, it's crazy. I had a 53-year-old professional come to me. He had $3 million saved up in mutual funds, right? $3 million. And, uh, and it's funny because he went to the financial advisor and the financial advisor said, you're doing good. Keep going. If you keep saving a lot, you might even be able to retire by the time you're 65. Might, right? <laughs> um, and, and by the way, this guy's goal was 500000 a year. So again, the same thing. If it's a 3% that he's pulling out every year, he has to get it from $3 million up to $15 million to pull out a half million a year for his freedom lifestyle, not just financially right. independence. He could do that at 200,000 a year, but financially free was like half a million a year. I'm not worried about squat, right? Yeah. Well, that financial advisor is like, keep going, keep saving. Fingers crossed, this might work, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I was like, dude, with the money we have right now, we could probably get you at least 25,000 to 30,000 a month, at least 25,000 a month already, like 300,000 a year based on the cash that's here. Yeah. And if we reinvest that easily right. within the next five years, you'll hit 500,000, you know, right. not maybe in 12 years, you know, yeah. and you're, you're right. Like so, so many people are closer than they realize because that perspective is not taught. It's not taught. It's always taught from an accumulation standpoint, but not from an accelerated cash flow standpoint, right. Where income's coming in, you know, when you start to, that's what, that's what changed for me. when I quit being a financial advisor was wait a minute, this isn't about trying to save and live off less than the interest. How can I get it up to a certain point where I have 10 times whatever I want my annual income to be? And then I live on that, you know, like that's a much easier goal to hit, um, yeah. but you got to find the right places and invest with the right people to do it. Yeah, definitely. Let, let's talk about your coaching clients a little bit. What are some of the, the biggest pain points that you hear from them when they're starting to, when they're getting on this journey? <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes they don't know how to describe it in words, but then I'll say, well, man, looking at your situation, it looks like you're asset rich and cash poor. <laughs> yeah, like you've got money, you've got savings, but it's not doing squat for you. It's not paying you. So you're stuck with that one active stream of income from your, your job. And I'll tell you, like the one thing that a lot of my clients have said over the last year and a half or so was they're like, we didn't realize how important these multiple streams of income were until COVID, right? Until that happened. Like when, when all of a sudden my business became non-essential, like I have one client, he works in Hollywood, right? you know, worked on, on movies like Pursuit of Happiness and play, in movies like that, you know? And he's like, we were shut down. Hollywood shut down for months. He's like, luckily I had streams of income starting to come in, you know, and had another guy, same thing. And this time he, another guy got sick, you know, during that period of time, like for a year, he couldn't figure out what was going on with the doctors, spending money everywhere. 
He's like, yeah, I ran up some credit cards, but that cash flow, that passive income I had carried me through that when I couldn't work at all, you know? So, and, and he's working out of the country, right? He's working like Columbia. So it's not like he gets disability from over there, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, like there's, and that's the thing is that the thing that they all see, once they get to see it, they're like, wow, th those streams of income freed me in a way I never realized. Like when I do work, I work because I want to, not because I have to. Um, and I'll tell you it, when, when you don't quite get it, like it's, you'll appreciate this. I have a client in San Diego, right? Uh, he's got his own home and he's got his investment property in California. And whenever I hear people have investment property in California, I think, oh, great. Sell it. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, he's like, you haven't heard the numbers yet. I don't have to like, I already know that your return on equity is low because if you're anywhere on the West coast, you pretty much got a low return on equity. And lo and behold, when he gave me the profit numbers on his property, it was 200 bucks a month but he had 700,000 of equity in it. Yeah. So he was getting like a fraction of a percent, you know? So uh, I was like, yeah, we got to sell this thing. He's like, oh, but it was our first investment property. My wife loves it, you know? And, and he was raised as a very strict saver. You know, he's, he was Korean by birth and things like that. So he's like, I can't, like, I got to save. I got to pay off my, these debts <laughs> in six years. And he's like, that was his whole goal was pay off the investment property, pay off his house in six years to free up about 4,200 a month or 50,000 a year. But I'm like, wait, if we sell in 1031 this money out of this property and do a cash out refi on your house, because he had equity stuck in his house too, I'm like we could actually increase, you know, net, even with the increased payment on your mortgage, we would still net cash flow about 75 to 80 grand this year. And I'm like, remember, your goal was to free up 4,200 a month in six years if you were able to pay off your mortgages by then. But we can get you 75 grand, but over 6,000 a month right now. And we keep reinvesting that by six years out, you'll be over 100 grand a year of passive income. Screw paying off this debt. Screw Dave Ramsey. Like get out, get out of that stupid right. mindset and do that. That's different. And it was hard. It was a hard shift for him. Even later on, he's like, okay, I can sell the property, but I just don't know if I can cash out refinance my mortgage. I'm like, great. Don't cash out refinance. Just refi it. You'll save a thousand bucks a month. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, I can probably get my wife to buy off on that one, you know? Again, yeah. so stuck in that saver Dave Ramsey mentality that he's losing freedom because he's stuck in that little box. Right. It's crazy, man. I, I can't get over the people who are just obsessed with, with paying off all their debts, um, mm -hmm. the good debts, not even the bad yeah. debts. The bad debts are different, but you know yeah. the good debts and they just want to build up that equity. But when you have that equity and you're not using it and making it work for you, it's at risk. I mean, then it's at market risk. I mean, you can lose it in a heartbeat. Like you've got to put that equity to work and, and take right. that cash out or do a HELOC and use that money to, to invest in something to make it work for you. It's, it's crazy how people get obsessed with just like, oh man, I want zero debt. I want to pay off, you know, my mm -hmm. entire mortgage. It, it's insane. Well, that's what I told him. I said, technically you're debt free because you, you could, if you don't want any debt just sell off all these assets, go rent, you'll be fine. He's like, oh, but I can't like, okay. So you don't really care about being debt free. Like you're caught in a little box here because that's what the banks have taught us. You know, if you really think about it, just like I said, the financial institutions train financial advisors, banks also train mortgage brokers. I know I was one of them, you know, banks are the ones that say, Hey, here's the truth and lending statement. Look how much you're going to pay in interest over the life of this loan, pay it off early. Now, if you think about it, the banks are just like really wise investors, they're saying, I want my capital back as soon as possible. So I can keep reinvesting it, turning it over, create acceleration of my money. Right. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense. That's why. If you think about it, if they only wanted to make interest off of you, they would give you a lower interest rate on a 30-year mortgage, not the 15-year mortgage. So the question is, why are they trying to incentivize you to do a 15-year mortgage? Why do they want you to do that? Well, if you understand fractional reserve banking and they can loan out on average 10 times 
whatever you give them in extra payments, extra principal or in savings. Hey, if you pay the extra thousand dollars a month, because you're doing a 15 year mortgage instead of a 30 year, that's giving them $10,000 a month more to turn around and start to generate more interest off of because they can go and leverage that and, and create a multiplier effect. Just like we do when we use the banks to put a mortgage on a property and it appreciates by 3%, but we see a 15% or, or a 12% increase, right? It's the same yeah. exact thing. You start to think from that perspective, you start to realize, wait a minute, I'm just a, I'm just a little pawn in this game. Like I've been trained to do it. Like really, if you think of Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey is the perfect bank financial institution role model, right? He's the one that's purport, you know, really just teaching all this crap to everybody so that these companies make money and you stay broke. You stay in the rat race. That's just not cool to me. Yeah. I have a hard time believing he even believes, truly believes inside what he, what he says sometimes. I, I think it's just kind of, that's his niche now and that's who he mm -hmm. is like to the public, but there's no way that he totally believes all that stuff. Well, it's, he, he believes it for the average Americans because he thinks they're stupid, right? I mean, yeah. that's the truth. I mean, my wife actually was the first licensed uh, Dave Ramsey instructor in the state of Utah, you know? Um, so it's interesting, you know, the conversation we have, she's been, you know, she's been to his place and his business and everything like out in Tennessee. She's like, when I drove by his house, she's like, that's when I realized, like, he's not playing by the same rule he's teaching. He's teaching people that are broke, like beyond broke or spend, I call it like spendaholics anonymous type people, right? Like mm -hmm. they need help. The problem is the people that follow him aren't the spendaholics, right? It's actually more the savers, the people that already believe what he teaches, but he just reinforces what they've already believed. They mm -hmm. reinforce that narrative. So then they just get more ingrained in it. They think that everybody's a spender in the world. I think that's funny when, when people are like, oh, everybody's living on credit. Everybody's a spender. Well, if that were the case, why do more than half the employees eligible right now save in their 401ks? Like that's a statistic you can look up. Like it's like, 52%. That includes people like us who are eligible, but refuse it because we know 401ks suck, right? Right. Um, that could be also people saying, oh, I'm not going to save the 401k yet because I'm going to pay off all my credit card debt. Because again, they have that saver mentality ingrained in them and they had to dig out of a hole from whatever happened in life because life happens. You know, most people are actually savers, not spenders. You know, yeah, there's those people out there, but they get villainized. But the truth is, if you're a saver, you're actually just like the rest of everybody else. You're average, you know, you're ordinary. You know, yeah. don't get caught in being ordinary. You can't have extraordinary results being ordinary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's keep it going. So with your coaching clients that have become extraordinary, what, what changes have you seen in those clients since they become financially free? I mean, how, how have their lives changed for the better? Yeah. It's like, they can take a big breath, right? Um, it's weird because, and I, I get it because I've been there twice. Like hidden financial independence is not what people expect it to be, Right. Some people just think like, oh, I'm going to go like vacation all day long. Well, the truth is, is that you get to that point and you say, well, I don't want a vacation all the time. That's exhausting. You know, what am I going to do with my life? And so, and that's why I call the company Money Ripples, right? It's how do we create a ripple effect through the lives of others, you know? So a lot of those people start to say, well, do I want to keep working or not? Some keep working, you know, but they, they're, as one of my friends would call it, work optional, right? They're saying, you know what? I'm going to keep working. I'm like, I actually love what I do. Others are like, forget that, you know, maybe I'm going to launch my own business. You know, I had, I had one client that we totally shifted completely. They said, you know what, I'm going to start a tortilla business in Arizona, you know, and <laughs> buy a little franchise. And he is so happy doing that. And now granted, he's not making a killing with that business, but still he's like, cool. Like, this is kind of what I want to do. Like, this is where my passion lies. And so they start to live a life more with meaning and passion 
uh, versus just survival or paycheck to paycheck, right? It's very different. I have another client. She's uh, actually just got an email while we're talking here. I was, I was kind of following up to see how she's doing if she's still in Bali. And she's been, she, her plan was to go to Bali for just a year. And now she's been there now for like five years. <laughs> so <laughs> she's been up. Bali doing like yoga and meditation and stuff, you know, scuba diving. She's like, that's her play, you know, but she's like, you know what? I'm leaving Portland, you know, Portland, Oregon. I'm getting out of here and I'm heading to Bali, you know, which I wouldn't mind that either. I mean, I, I grew up in Oregon. It's, it just sucks with the rain. So uh, <laughs> Bali is a, is a dream come true in comparison to that place. Yeah. Bali is beautiful, man. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to touch, touch on this. I've heard you talk about it. I mean, how do you go about creating the quote unquote anti-financial plan? Yeah. I mean, we got to just, just deconstruct everything, right? I mean, we got to deconstruct the mindset, um, get that money out of prison and then figure out how do we get it to work for you? You know? Uh, definitely, we still have to have things like cash reserves. Like you don't want to spend every dime that you have investing. You got to still have liquid reserves, have yourself well protected, um, but protect yourself, protect your wealth, but then get it out there. Get it like really generating some, some income for you. Uh, and some people go for either a cash flow mindset or a growth perspective, right? Uh, depending on their timeframes. A lot of my clients, they just say, you know what? I want the passive income. Even if I don't need it, I just want it because what if my job goes away? What if I lose work or something happens or there's unexpected expenses? I want something to be able to give me this extra buffer beyond just a savings account, right? And so it's getting the money work for them. A lot of times they teach them how to double dip on their investment returns. Like, you know, we use things like, you know, if you ever heard like infinite banking, yep. um, I actually like to do what I call a supercharged, uh, like a supercharged, like a RO, super ROI infinite banking. Because a lot of the infinite banking out there is actually crap. If you've seen it, um, most of the time you're just spending way too much money using a life insurance policy to save, but if you can reduce the cost enough, you know, and you get them really low, you can actually get it to the point where now it's like a tax-free supercharged savings account that you can use to invest and actually earn money in two places at the same time. Cause you can get a line of credit against it to invest just like a HELOC, but it's like a HELOC that pays you. Right. Yep. So, so I use that strategy with my clients and stuff to try to get, get their money working a little bit harder. Uh, but really, it comes down to, do we want it to grow? Do we want cash flow? And so we'll look at everything from, you know, we mentioned turnkey real estate. We've mentioned syndications. Um, I've done things with like oil and gas, you know, like mineral rights, you know, where you get some tax breaks from that kind of stuff, which if, especially if you're in a, a W-2 worker, yeah. you don't get many, right? So right. trying to get a tax break is nice you know, without having to get a stupid IRA or 401k, which is just a tax delay, you know? Um, also things in like, I mean, franchises, sometimes people want to look at that. I had, I had somebody who was actually more of an active real estate investor that said, you know what? I want to diversify away from real estate. I want to get into like business. Well, what can I do? I'm like, well, here's some franchise options. You know, let's talk to this person right here to look at some franchises and they're got, they got a laundromat going starting this month, you know, and starting to cash flow on that right now. And, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, there's, there's so many different options, you know, land, you know, there's all kinds of stuff there. There's self-storage, you know, assisted living, all kinds of options, but ultimately it's got to be something that fits into getting you out of that rat race as quickly and safely as possible. And, and hopefully that's before 59 and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. You speak my language. I mean, franchises, syndications, um, all mm -hmm. sorts of, of real estate, doubling down with infinite banking. Those are all excellent tools that, that I recommend as well. That, that's phenomenal, man. Um, before we jump into the freedom for one last gold nugget for our listeners. Yeah. You know, the last gold nugget I would give is this. Um, everything's about cash flow, right? I mean, everything's about passive income. Uh, 
the biggest thing you want to do is, is find what's locked up. So I would go through your finances and say, all right, what's, how much equity do I have in my property? Like up to 80%. So if you've got 60% equity in your, you know, or 40% equity in your property up to 60% on the mortgage, see if we can get access to that other 20%. I would look at HELOCs right now. HELOCs, interest only HELOCs, dirt cheap. You can make a much better return off of those. Um, look to see where your money's locked up in the stock market. You know, if with the stocks the way they are right now, we don't know when they're going to pull back, but they will. <laughs> so, you know, other ways we, we don't recommend anything about selling off stocks or mutual funds. We're not saying that here, but obviously that's, that's cash that can be used elsewhere to get more consistent income, right? Um, look for debt equity, debt savings, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, even, even just looking at your numbers, like if you haven't been tracking your money, track your money, like start to track what's coming in and what's going out. And uh, so I would start doing that. I use Mint for my personal life, uh, QuickBooks for my business, but you know, definitely tracking that on a regular basis. I've, I've found any business entrepreneur that says that they are too busy to track their money finds at least $6,000 a year just by tracking it, not even living a different lifestyle, just by tracking the money, they find money leaks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guilty of it too, man. It's like the more money you make, the less you pay attention to it sometimes because mm -hmm. you get really, really busy and then you just kind of lose focus. But when you really track stuff and know where your, where your spending is, you can really, really accelerate your growth because you know where it's leaking and where you can take that and put it in somewhere else. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it takes you like, say it's 15,000 a month to be financially independent, but you're able to free up a thousand a month on the expense side, that just gave you a break. Now you're like, I don't have to hit 15,000. I don't have to hit 14,000 a month. I'm going to just save myself a year to become financially independent. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Uh, every morning I have a ritual. Um, Tony Robbins called it like the hour of power. You know, everybody calls it something different. There's morning, miracle morning or whatever. But uh, every morning I get up, I exercise. You know, 20 miles is pretty extreme. That's my biggest, longest run that I do for this kind of thing, but I get exercise. I do like a prayer of gratitude, even while I'm running a lot of times or working out, um, you know, you can journal, you can read scriptures, you know, do all kinds of stuff, right? Like, you know, really, I just focus on physical, mental, spiritual, you know, those kind of things to really get yourself in the right state of mind. So when you do start to work or do whatever you do to generate income, you know, you're at the top of your game, like you're right there, abundant mindset, you're ready to win already. Awesome. With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way and how did you get past it? <laughs> um, the big limiting belief I had was, uh, I mean, scarcity in general, right? I was raised in scarcity. I would, you know, financial advisors live in scarcity, right? Um, uh, I'll tell you, like the big one that, that shifted everything for me was about how to make money, right? Is that there's a real principle there that dollars follow value created, Right. Um, I used to think that dollars follow luck or exploitation being the right place at the right time. Um, but when I realized that it's dollars follow value, like when I start to ask that, that formulaic question of how do we go about creating value? How do I create a win-win for people? And, and not at the expense of my own you know, happiness or my own self, right? Um, as a financial advisor, I thought it was a zero-sum game. Somebody, if somebody won, somebody else would have to lose. So therefore, if I wanted my clients to win, I would have to lose every time. I'd have to be a broke financial advisor. But hey, if, if I'm a jerk, you know, I want to win, well, then my clients lose, right? So there's that debate. And I realized that it actually is always a win-win if you do it right. And, um, and it's served me so well. It made me millions and millions of dollars ever since I made that shift. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have that same mental hurdle. They've got to they've figure it out. What's yeah. one actual step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom? 
you know, I would say start. <laughs> I mean, listening to these podcasts are great, but try to implement something that we talk about on these shows, right? Like one thing, just pick one thing to try. You know, it might be something small. You might say, okay, I found this fund. It's a, it's a minimum of a thousand bucks, but hey, it could pay me 10, 10 or 12% a year. Try it, you know, do something, you know, just get out get away from just being in a place of ever learning and never acting because your, your results won't change until you actually act on something. Right. And, and get over that education hurdle, start networking, reach out to, to me or Chris or someone like yeah. us and just ask some questions and, and learn and get over that mental hurdle so you can take that next step and just get started. Absolutely. Uh, last but not least, how has passive income made your life better? Man, uh, it's, it's hard to count the ways. I mean, to, to get to a place where you work because you want to, not because you have to. Um, I mean, that's why even since 2016, I'm still doing my podcast, The Chris Miles Money Show, right? I'm still teaching because, you know, I, every time I try to quit, like someone says, I need, I need help, right? And, uh, and I love teaching and I love serving, you know, and, and to be able to have that ability to do so. And, and now even I'm like, man, if I want to spend tens of thousands in marketing and stuff to, to spread this message, because the other, <laughs> the other institutions are spending billions of dollars trying to tell you to follow that green line of fidelity, you know, or whatever else crap that you've been <laughs> given. Right. Like, I'm like, I got to battle that, you know, and, and every time I try to quit, I realize that I, you know, it's like Spider-Man, right. Where much is given, you know, where with great power comes great responsibility. I mean, that's something that just changes in you, you know, like it's, it's such a different place to be when you live with a purpose and a passion versus just living for survival. Yep. The war against Wall Street, man. We're in it. That's right, man. <laughs> All right, Chris, it's been awesome. We're going to listeners find out more about you. Yeah, you can either go to moneyripples.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com. Or as I mentioned before, you can check out the Chris Miles Money Show on iTunes or, or YouTube or whatever podcast app you use. Awesome. Thanks again, Chris. It's been incredible. Hey, thanks so much, Seth. I really Hi, appreciate brother. it. All right, brother. Talk soon. Chris Miles, my friends. What a blast. Can't wait to go on his show to jam again. Reach out to Chris for all things real estate. And also, if you just feel like bashing your financial advisor, I'm sure he'll love to have a little session with you. All right. If you're ready for a big change and ready to take action, partner with us on our next passive real estate deal. Go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and join our Esquire Passive Investor Club. All right. Until next time, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.